Again, welcome to another edition of Preview. I'm Joseph Hadfield. And I'm James Knight. And uh, on this edition, we're going to look back at the United States Grand Prix back after uh, a year's hiatus uh, because of COVID. Uh, the biggest Grand Prix attendant on record attended the, uh, the three-day weekend in Austin. And uh, over this next uh, next half an hour, three quarters of an hour, we're going to dissect all the major talking points from the, uh, the US Grand Prix. Uh, with plenty on the way, uh, including that huge the uh, competitive title fight between Verstappen and Hamilton, uh, the uh, the Haas pair causing a few problems as per, and uh, a bit of a bad weekend for Alpine as well. That's all to come on the latest edition of Preview. So onwards we go, and uh, it is trivia question time. Mine once again this week. Now, uh, we're going a little bit off topic here, but, um, well, I had a quiz question, but that was about three weeks ago, and I forgot it. So uh, I've had to draw one up at the last minute, but I have got one. And uh, I'm looking for um, the the three drivers in the uh, the turbo hybrid era that have won their home Grand Prix. So there are only three in uh, since 2014, but how many, well, you know how many, three have won it, uh, but which drivers have won their home Grand Prix? And uh, I will give you the answer to that uh, at the end of the programme. Uh, so onwards we go, and uh, well, US Grand Prix, uh, as I mentioned, 400,000 over a weekend, even more than you'd get at Silverstone. And, well, this has all come from the, in all honesty, it's come from A, Drive to Survive, and the, the popularity that that uh, the US fan base has grown in America. And obviously, it's the first one they've had for a couple of years, this immense title fight between Hamilton and Verstappen. So they've all wanted to get on the bandwagon, and rightly so, all F1 fans welcome and uh, great to have them among us. Four hundred thousand for a race weekend. I think it was, I think it was only three hundred three hundred odd thousand for Silverstone this year, and that was ridiculous. It was packed. <laughs> well, you were obviously no, you were there, and um, obviously you didn't uh, didn't head out to Austin for this one. Um, it was well, it, it was quite a nice one, wasn't it? Because obviously, for us, for us people watching it in uh, in Britain and in Ireland, in your case, uh, it was well, it was a an evening start. All right, ten o'clock, a bit late on Saturday night for qualifying, but I had no issues with that. Um, Eight o'clock on Sunday night, and uh, and we get to see Hamilton and Verstappen going at it once again. 
and uh, Max Verstappen leading by 12 points in the standings as a result of the victory. Yeah, it's it's better than watching X Factor and Strictly come dancing on a on an evening weekend. And uh, absolutely correct. I, I I like it when it's like that. It's um, a bit different, a bit of a treat for everyone, rather than kind of taking up the bulk of your day on a weekend type thing. And you can actually get out, do your stuff in the daytime, and then you've got your your nice entertainment in the evening. Uh, I saw someone tweeted saying. Um, when it gets to the US Grand Prix, all of their F1 friends use the race and qualifying as, as pre-drinks before going out. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, that. I'm starting to think of all these kind of drinking games. If Russell gets through to Q3, it's two shots, all this kind of stuff. I think you'd absolutely you'd get smashed if you did it right. I think it'd be a really good idea to do. So uh, we, uh, we might have to uh, sell some drinking games on the <laughs> 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 website going to watch this space. Um, but yeah, I loved the race. I thought it was good. It's it wasn't necessarily you know overtakes galore, crashes galore at, at, at the front that we've kind of seen earlier on in the season. But I like a good strategy race, and we got that with you know a two stop race. It's 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 a good way to kind of see not just the drivers going at it, but the teams as a whole. Can the can the pit mechanics kind of hold their own? Can the strategists come up with the right options? And, and I think we saw a really solid race, through, mainly throughout the field, apart from, as we said, the, the, the two Haas cars just kind of bumbling around, getting, getting in everyone's way. It was a really high-quality race, I think. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Although, I think the Haas pair... Well, I, I'm not saying the pair, because obviously we know the unmentionable uh, going... I was looking at the timing graphics, and obviously they update them uh, when, when it... Like it, when it, they have pit stops and what have you, and at one point I tried getting the photo and I'm just missed out. At some point it was, it was two minutes twenty behind the next one up. This is when Alonso, oh. uh, like retired, and you're thinking, well, no, that's not a glitch. That probably is his actual pace. He's two minutes twenty behind a, a, a someone who's just retired. Um, but Mick Schumacher actually uh, paying dividends because uh, that whole uh, palaver of blue flags on the last lap, Hamilton closing up. Imagine if Mick Schum- or Verstappen hadn't have got DRS off Mick Schumacher on that last lap. Exactly. I think, yeah, Max might have been cursing him a bit, but I think when he went down that front straight and got that gap with the DRS, I think he'd have been all right. But yeah, I think if, if Mick Schumacher had got in the way properly, which I think he just managed to not disrupt uh, Verstappen too much. I know, obviously, you know, especially around the kind of the sweeping right, the sweeping right under towards the end of the um, the lap. You know, Max will have been really in his wa- wash and really kind of probably suffered a bit there. But I think if if Mick had have actively got in his way, I think Max would have gone and lamped him one. Like, yeah, it's that kind of that kind of intensity where he's like, get, get Michael to tell him he's out. Need to get out of my way. Lewis is behind me. You're like, God Almighty, just drive your race. <laughs> Well, this is the daft thing because in the end, obviously, Verstappen did win, but it was only like it was by a second and a half, basically, I think it was. So not that much. And let's be fair, after turn one, Hamilton was winning. Arguably, is it Mercedes that uh, on a strategy race, on a track that they've uh, they've been extremely strong at, they uh, they dropped the ball a bit? Yeah, potentially. I, I'm, st- I've, you know, we've, we've had a few days to kind of digest it all and I've gone back and forth in my head every, pretty much every day when I've thought about it as to whether or not Red Bull just kind of rolled the dice, went very early. And to be fair, when, when they did it, my initial thoughts were 
this is stupid. Max is going to be an absolute sitting duck by the end of the race. Like, unless he extends in his middle stint, like he's, he's not going to be able to hold it. And then he didn't extend. And I thought, yeah, this, this is stupid. He's, he's never going to, he's never going to hold this. And, and he did. And I, I don't know whether or not Red Bull were kind of sandbagging throughout the weekend on, as to kind of how long the tyres were lasting or, or Max did it. I don't, I don't know if Max especially did much of a, you know, tyre saving drive. It, they just, he just seemed to have it under control. Um, and I don't really think Mercedes really could have answered to it, I guess, because once you've done that kind of undercut, the only other thing you're going to be able to do is try and do the opposite. Um, and, and that's what they did. And Hamilton just couldn't close. I mean, yeah, I don't know. What's what are your do you do you think Red Bull were genius or I'm more in the camp of of Merck. It's Merck that's lost out with this one because I think I've, I remember from what they were saying and after they they'd got all the data and had a look at it. Ideally, they wanted Hamilton ideally should have come in because let's be fair he didn't come in until four laps after Verstappen had by which point that time you've sort of your gaps build up and obviously Verstappen will be ahead I think I think Merck really needed to react to Verstappen because okay he's gone early and quite suspiciously early let's be fair but this is Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton we're talking about Hamilton won the British Grand Prix last year with with a puncture for goodness sake he can drive the wheels off that wagon quite literally <laughs> so i don't think this is the thing i think merck are the ones that have got all the data and all the telemetry and they can see what's happening hamilton hasn't all he can do is just drive as fast as he can and it's like when you were watching him the the sort of the last couple of laps trying to chase down verstappen you saw the gap wasn't really closing at at points and it was only closing sort of I think Hamilton was probably one or two laps too short, or maybe he'd left it one or two laps too late to start attacking. Then you suppose you have to say, well, would he, if he'd have started one or two laps earlier, would he have lost all his tyres and, and gone to bits? I, I think the blame's with Merck, because let's be fair, with Red Bull, as you said, it was a gamble. It could have gone disastrously, and we've seen them with bad pit stops in the past. I reckon I reckon this is another another issue for Merck's strategy because, and it's what we were talking about in in previous weeks. This is a team that have not really been challenged for well since twenty fourteen. They've had the the only title fight they've really had has been inter team. So I think Merck are, are starting to book a little bit under the pressure. Yeah, and and you know we know that Red Bull are are able to win championships in absolute dogfights. You look at kind of 2012 Vettel coming up with the goods. Then when you had, you know, seven different winners in the first seven races, there was a hell of a lot of horses to try and win that that championship and they still came out on top. So they have got previous and, you know, they I almost weirdly still think of Red Bull as quite a new team, but they've really been around for for a long time now. They've still got that kind of young energy around, about them. But, you know, Christian Horner and Helmut Marko know how to win. And and I think Mercedes are really going to start to come under pressure because this Red Bull is seemingly getting better and better. Um, I, I it's almost becoming advantage Red Bull now. I know obviously he's got the points advantage, but that can obviously change in an instant. But it does feel like Red Bull are slowly starting to hammer hammer home this kind of victory. 
uh, towards the end of the season now. I, I'm in agreement with you because it's like you you see Verstappen, he's got a 12-point lead and you just think, it's, it's like you think back to, I'm trying to remember when it was now, but there's another season where I, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, but there's another team that were sort of this margin and you just think, okay, it's only 12 points. This is the thing we're, we're getting all, we're talking about Verstappen's in the lead. We don't think he'll, he'll lose it now. Let's be fair, 12 points is only the the amount you get for fourth place. <laughs> Let's be fair. So realistically, all all Hamilton has to do is come third and Verstappen retires and it's swung straight back around. Yeah. I don't know. As we've said in previous weeks, I said this will be sorted before Abu Dhabi. I think it will. And even though... I'm in the Merck camp that I want Merck to whip to Hamilton to win. I'm slowly now starting to think Verstappen will. Yeah. Because apart from he's had one ninth place at Hungary and he's had three retirements. The only time he's ever been on the podium is finishing first and second. And he's done that. I, th- I think it's now how, how many podiums he's had. I think he's had 11, if I'm right in saying. Yeah. 11 first or seconds out of what is it 17 races that's ridiculous yeah that's vettel 2013 ridiculous yeah anyway we'll park that one to one side because uh, that's still gonna untangle in the last four rounds moving a bit further back and we've got another battle between teams mclaren and ferrari we all we we all remember mclaren and ferrari battles over the years long before we were around and they're at it again for third place uh Ricardo sticking one up science uh, on the opening lap. Very enjoyable, that was. Um, bit of a love tap between the two later on in the race. Um, and and a bit of a, a bit of an off weekend, shall we say, for, for McLaren, I suppose, because now Ferrari have brought this new engine in. They are looking mighty strong with four rounds to go. They are. Lando was kicking himself at the end of the race. I think he actually called himself stupid mm. for like signs past. That first lap was brilliant. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. It was an absolute dogfight. Um the the <laughs> real kind of props to the to the F1 cameraman. That the helicopter shot that they managed to get on the first lap where you saw Ricardo dive down the outside and all of a sudden he was like, Lando Norris going down the inside three wide into into the court. Oh, it was brilliant. It was so good. Um Really hard fought, really, really hard fought. Um, but yeah, Ferrari really, really did seem to get it together. Um, I think Leclerc he had a boring race. He didn't, he didn't really have to do much. That's a sign of dominance, really, in in that sense. You know, for for the midfield, if you're if you're able to sit in fourth place and and not be challenged pretty much at all for the entire race, then fair play. He just sailed off on his own and had a great time with it and left kind of. Ricardo, Bottas, Sainz, Norris kind of section to just absolutely hammer it out. And it was it was brilliant. It really, really was. I think um, Sainz did a good job again to, to get past Norris um, in the end because it really was a, a dogfight. And yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this uh, where this battle is going to be because we have, we have to remember a lot of money on the line, $10, $10 million for for the team that, uh, that, that beats the other. So they are really going to be fighting this. This isn't a case of, oh, let's forget about this season and move on to uh, 
to next season. Who Who's your money on? McLaren or Ferrari by the end? Well, I am a McLaren fan. Uh, adopted McLaren fan this from this year. Um, I want to say McLaren. It, it's the same. I'm in the same camp. It's like I want Merck to finish first, but I think it's going to be Red Bull. Well, in terms of drivers, I do obviously. I think Merck are going to get this uh, constructors. I, I want to say McLaren, but I feel as though because Ferrari are lots uh, have shown they've they're looking a little bit stronger. I think Ferrari for third. I think we're suffering from being uh, kind of football fans of, of Sheffield teams at the moment where we want Wednesday and United to do well and every other team's doing well. We want Mercedes to do well, Red Bull's doing well. I think I exactly think because we're from Sheffield, I think we are just cursed in that sense. So we, we, we could say we want Alonso to win and Mazepin will get the next championship. It's that kind of thing I think we're at now at this point. <laughs> I can't even begin to imagine that because that is a massive nightmare for everyone involved. If he gets anywhere near the front of the grid, for goodness sakes. Um, well, so is your so is your money on Papaya or Scarlet? Um, I think I think. Do you know what? Now I'm going to stick my head on the line. I'm going to, I'm going to say McLaren are going to do it. I think I believe in what Zach Brown's doing. I think the upward trajectory they've got is well is you know is good. Yeah, they're having some problems with kind of reliability with the engines and things like that. And Ferrari are looking pretty imperious at the moment. But I don't want to write off Lando Norris yet. I think he's got one more spectacular drive in him this season. I hope Ricardo as well. But obviously, Ricardo's had his Monza drive. I, I, I want Lando to win a race by the end of the season. And I think we've got one more race of just pure craziness left in us for this season. Uh, I, it could be something like that, that that clinches it on on maybe even the final race, you know. I'm with you on that. And and, and let's be fair, who knows? Because uh, the Human Rights Grand Prix, well, there's five weeks to go until that, and that's barely even built. Do you know what I mean? So uh, Still a beat. <laughs> well, how they're going to get a circuit done? In, well, I suppose th- there is an obvious answer how they're going to get a, a circuit built in five weeks, but let's not go there. Yeah. Uh, and if that is the case, fingers crossed, we could have we could have another Bahrain Oval or something like that. I don't mind that. Um, exactly. Another human um, free. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! Right, so we've done McLaren, Ferrari, Merck, Red Bull. Uh, so into the midfield and, uh, well, uh, Fernando, we've missed him for a couple of years. He's back in the paddock and, of course, he was going to cause chaos. And uh, he has done again this weekend. Um, a, a rare off day for, for Alpine. Um, finished every single race, I think it is, uh, so far this season. Or they've scored, a, they've scored points in every single Grand Prix. I think that's it. can't remember which one of the two. Uh, both DNF in. Um, in uh, I, I can't remember. It was one of the two's case. Uh, the uh, the front the rear wing had, had snapped um, or started to because of how bumpy Cota was. But Alonso deciding uh, he he's on the F one game. He must he must think that that Alpine he's adopt he's taken over from Ricardo, which means he's got the late breaking ability. When uh, he slightly hasn't breaking about four hundred yards too late. Um, and uh, Michael Massey having to get involved with Alpine. Oh, God, it was so 
childlike playground. It was funny. It was it was funny, but you just think if you're that guy from Alpine that has just been given the message down from the team principal to say, "Yeah, Alonso's kicking off. You're gonna have to try and defend this." <laughs> you could hear, you know, oh well, if he goes off the track and overtakes, can you confirm that this is okay now? And it's like, yeah, well, Raikkonen only went round the outside of you because you shoved him off. <laughs> you literally smacked him off the corner at turn mm. one. Of course, he's going to stick his foot in there. You know, it's not like he's just gone there to make a you know a wider exit and get the get the drive out the corner. He literally got hit. I th- Alonso was just. It was like he was back to his kind of 2007 against Lewis Hamilton days, where he was just didn't care who he hit, who he hurt, what he said, and then. <laughs> celebrated that absolute send where he just went flying off the track and then went, yeah, what? <laughs> Grow up. You're a two-time world champion. That's something Mazepin should be doing, not you. Oh, it's awful. I... It's Fernando, isn't it? He thinks he can get away with that sort of thing. It uh, just adds to his character. Uh, but yeah, a, a double DNF for... Uh, for Fernando and uh, and Esteban Ocon this weekend, um, I think we've covered everything. Um, I mean, I mean, Kota, we're back, we're back at Kota um, for the first time in in two years. It's uh, it's that uh, Grand Prix circuit that's modelled on uh, the Red Bull Ring. You've got Suzuka in there. You've got Silverstone, bit of Hockenheim, uh, a Turkey Tournay esque uh, as well. It is a cracking little track, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? I was probably a bit harsh on it in the last episode, um, giving giving the nod to Daytona for the for my dream calendar. But it it's a good track. You know, it it, it has delivered every time we have been there, and it's been it's been another solid Grand Prix there. Um, the the kind of your, your maggots and Beckett thing, I think, will come into its own next year because the cars hopefully should be able to actually follow each other. That bit easier. I think we we kind of lose some of the overtaking ability later on in the lap because of that. I think that after after the cars go through that section, they seem to then have to play catch up again to then you know get back close enough for an overtake. So if if the cars are following each other through, I think we're going to be on for um, a, a really really quality quality Grand Prix next year. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah I'm happy with it. Well 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 done, Austin. And uh, the 400,000 over the weekend certainly enjoyed it as well. Um, Right, driver of the day for this weekend. Now, obviously, there are a number of competitors. Um, Who is your driver of the day? I've got a few. Right. I want to give an honourable shout-out to Antonio Giovinazzi, of all people. Mm. I thought he showed a lot of heart in, in the kind of the face of the Alonso craziness. He didn't shy away. He didn't kind of bin it off himself. He, he had a good drive and he's under a lot of pressure. And we spoke about this when he, when he, he binned it in Monza and he's had a few other problems here and there. You know, he's, he's under a lot of pressure as to whether or not Oscar Piastri, Guan Yu Zhou is going to get his seat. And, and he drove well. Um, so well done to him. I think Max has got to get it for his pure race management. I think he drove a really good race. The team gave him a what seemed like a, a risky strategy tyre-wise at a track that you know has a lot of degradation. 
Um, and and he, he carved out a win, kept under pressure uh, by Hamilton throughout and, and didn't really kind of put a foot wrong. So, yeah, Max gets driver of the day for me. For me, I, I'm not sure. I mean, we'll, we'll come on to, to Perez in a second for, for his... For the reasoning why I be, why I think he could possibly get it, um, I mean Bottas obviously he did well coming back from ninth to get sixth. There are some good good mentions. Sonoda as well, he got points uh, when Gasly retired. Uh, ooh, ooh, I don't actually know to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know what, Charles Leclerc? Why not? Because let's be fair, as you said earlier on, okay, it was a bit of a lonely race for him, but. Started fourth, finished fourth, fourth place for Ferrari, best out of the midfield. You know what I mean? You, you can't really complain with that. Um, so, yeah, Leclerc for myself. Now, moment of the weekend, as we were mentioning, and uh, for all regular listeners, you'll know by now, it's the uh, the wa- the weird and wacky moment from the weekend that, that stood out. Uh, the contenders this weekend. Quite a few, actually, this weekend, I think. Um one of the ones that made me laugh, I watched, so I started watching um, the race after a night out. I watched the replay and I was a little bit drunk and I found myself laughing at lap three when I saw the sponsorship. The cars are going past and it's panning around and all I could see was zoom, 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 zoom. <laughs> it just made me smile and I thought, do you know what? Yeah, five pints. This is funny. Well done, Zoom. That's that's good marketing. So they're, they're one of us contenders and then you had Martin Brundle nearly getting punched by some giant big men that were Megan the Stallion and yeah. How have we not mentioned this yet? And we're we're nearly half an hour in. Exactly, just a bunch of nobody. We get this all the time. A bunch of nobodies and celebrities that turn up to Formula One because they get a free ticket from Liberty Media and think that they're the show, not the billion dollar industry that is Formula One and the spectacle that it is. You know, she might be able to say a few rhymes down a microphone but she can't drive at that speed it's the different different leagues of people in this sense you know and the the kind of the self-entitlement we see from a lot of these stars is just it's annoying but i'm gonna flip the other side of this because obviously there has been a lot of debate about it technically it wasn't her she was willing to do the interview it was the bodyguards that were sort of pushing him away and you know what i mean and it's at the end of the day Celebs coming to, to F1 grids, it's nothing new. We've got no problem with that. Martin Brundley went and spoke to Rory McElroy, spoke to Ben Stiller. You know what I mean? There's there's nothing wrong with celebrities at all. And obviously, uh Megan the Stallion, she was fine to, to speak to him. Yeah. Bodyguards, and I suppose at the end of the day, the bodyguards, they've probably never never heard of him. They don't know who he is. He's just coming up with them, you know what I mean? So I suppose they are doing the job. It was just a little bit disrespectful. It is. I think the, 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 the problem I have is, you know, yeah, I get that with Megan, for instance, but you know, you've got these bodyguards and this, this is the whole point of it. You know, she's there for a good, good bit of PR for herself and for Formula One. Now, the only main people that are on the grid talking to people, Martin Brundle, there's a woman from Sky Germany, I can't remember her name, and maybe Will Buxton is on there. They are the only people that are really allowed to go and do the grid walks. All that, all those bodyguards have to be told is these are the three people that can go and speak to her. Fine, you know, don't let the, the fans, when, you know, when we're out of the COVID bubble, fine, keep them away. You know, we need a sense of order. But when you've got a guy with a big sky camera 
clearly a professional journalist. All they had to remember is that one face and go, yeah, fine. There was no need to make a scene out of it. And, and I, it, it, it turns what could have been a really funny little interaction into something where Martin Brundle's going, Christ, you know, what's, what's the point? I'm just trying to speak to people, you know? And you know, Martin, Martin Brundle is a very well-respected journalist and he, he shouldn't be tracked like that. It, 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 it annoys me. There we are, rant over. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, as I was mentioning earlier on, and we have mentioned, Alpine uh, versus Michael Massey, the FIA team radio, and uh, Alonso celebrating that overtake, uh, breaking far too late and going, yes! Oh, yes! Um, which, which is Alonso. We, we know he, he, that's his sort of thing. Uh, he, Alonso and team radio just go hand in hand. Um, so, so that's one. Uh, I was mentioning Sergio Perez uh, we know uh, Kimmy was complaining in Turkey about it uh, going all over his boots and having no drink whatsoever. Uh, Perez actually had no drink because uh, that leaked. Um, so he did not have the drink uh, in this race. Um, and it's a baking hot afternoon in the middle of, of, of Texas. And you're doing a 50-odd lap race with no bloody drink. Thank God he got on the podium. So at least he got a drink afterwards. Um, and uh, there's a we have one more uh, contender that you've just added. Talk us through it. Yeah, so it's it's not actually you know Formula One. It was one of the other events that we did have um, at, at the race. We had the the, the culmination of the uh, W Series uh, this weekend, and I just wanted to give a shout out to Abby Pullin. She's a 18 year old driver. Um, she was racing in British Formula Four, ran out of money, um, was given a kind of allowed to race in the final two races of W Series to kind of prove her worth. Um, she stuck it on pole, um, got P7 in the first race. Uh, sorry, she got um, P4 in the first race and then P2 in the second one. Um, and because because of that, despite only competing in four rounds, she's ended up uh, seventh in the championship, which gives a, a full-time drive in W Series next season. Um uh, it's just a phenomenal effort for someone that's not used to the car um, to uh, a, such a challenging circuit. We actually saw one of the other um, girls, Abby Eaton, who's the Grand Tour driver. She's actually fractured her spine because of the bumps. Um, you know, incredibly physically demanding track. And for an 18-year-old to show that kind of grit and determination, well played, Abby. Indeed. And it's fantastic to see uh, W Series uh, as a as a sports series to F1 uh, Really, really good of them. So uh, five contenders. Um, we'll let we'll let you choose your your moment of the weekend. Which is it to be? I think drunken zoom 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 has got to win it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So uh, so zoom uh, with, with a few beverages um, is the uh, this weekend's moment of the weekend at the US Grand Prix. I'm trying. Was it Hungary or was it France where they first had that last year? I'm trying. I think it was Hungary. I think it was, yeah. Um, also, quick shout out to Perez as well. There was a picture of every time he was going around the lap because of Heineken's sponsorship. He's there. Oh, for the, yeah. Uh, when you drive, never drink. And he's like, yeah, I oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't got much choice, has he? Yeah, um, yeah. Right. Onwards then to the comments section and your views on the US Grand Prix. Uh, I assume we'll, ha- we'll have had a few. Uh, yeah. So Eduardo sent me um, a-, a few over. Um, he says... Um, Mick Schumacher won that race for Max. Um, he, we kind of touched on that earlier with the DRS uh, that Max got on the final um, on, on the final lap from 
from Mick. He said if, if Mick wasn't there, Hamilton uh, would have got DRS on that last lap and he would have won the race. Um, and then he said as a shout out to Miami, they've sold all their tickets out in a day. Uh, so that means 140,000 at the race means he thinks that we'll end up seeing three US Grand Prix by 2024, he says. Um, I, it's a very, very good shout, to be fair. Um, I think we've, we've really seen, like we said earlier, the, the real resurgence of Formula One in the US market. We've had a lot of races in the US in the past. And I think Liberty are really going to have to try and capitalise on, on, on that for sure. Um, and then we had a message in from Darren who says, duh, 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 duh. Alonso is getting too much respect from the FIA. He drove like a tit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if that was if that was another driver, I think they'd have had a penalty. I think they'd have had the book thrown at them there. If we'd if we'd have seen if we'd have seen Mazepin do that, people that have been screaming for penalties and stuff, you know, you can't do that to make. I, I, and I totally agree with that. I think Alonso, yeah, it was entertaining, but if Giovinazzi hadn't have seen him and got out of the way it ruined both of their races. So yeah, I, I think absolutely there's probably a little bit of favouritism involved there and especially with how vocal Alpine got, I think they saved his bacon there. Indeed. Right. Uh, so to run you through the United States Grand Prix, Max Verstappen winning by just over a second from uh, Lewis Hamilton in second. Sergio Perez uh, getting that well-deserved drink on the podium to finish third with those trophies being presented by that stupid uh longhorn car it was horrendous what the hell was that um i suppose i suppose it is the u.s and uh, they have to do every and suppose it's texas so they have to do everything bigger uh you can add your own opinions that i'm not going to mention because i don't want to get in trouble uh charles leclerc with a bit of a lonely race in fourth daniel ricardo in fifth a good weekend for him uh, out qualifying lando and in the race as well. Valtteri Bottas recovering from that uh, that sixth engine penalty to finish sixth. Uh, Carlos Sainz just getting overtaken on the last lap in seventh. Lando Norris eighth. Yuki Sonoda getting some valuable points for Alpha Tauri. And uh, Sebastian Vettel started from the back of the grid with uh, an engine penalty. He got the final points paying position. Absolutely. And then uh, P11, we had Giovinazzi surviving the onslaught from uh, Fernando Alonso in P11. Lance Stroll with a fairly quiet race in P12. Kimi Raikkonen and George Russell, P13 and 14, with Nicholas Latifi, Mick Schumacher and Mazepin rounding up the finishers, with Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly, your DNFs for this race. So there we go. That is the United States Grand Prix all done and dusted. And uh, well, it's going to be a bit of a lonely weekend because there's there's no Grand Prix action this uh, this weekend. Um, but that comes next weekend because it's Mexico and you can call it the Mexico City Grand Prix if you want. We'll call it the Mexican Grand Prix as it well should be. Um, so that is back. Uh, we'll have the preview for that next week. Uh, before we do finish, the answer to the trivia question that I posed at the beginning, and it was the uh, the three drivers to have won in the Turbo Hybrid era, the home Grand Prix. Uh, so, any ideas? Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton has won the British Grand Prix, correct? Max won the Dutch Grand Prix. Max Verstappen did win the Dutch Grand Prix, and there's one more. Did Nico Rosberg win the German race? He did. 
That was the other one. In, uh, I think it was 2016. And I don't, this is the problem, because they alternated between Hock and Hammer, I can't remember where it was. But, uh, but no, sorry, I tell a lie, 2014, uh, he won the German Grand Prix. Yeah, Hamilton has won seven British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Uh, Rosberg winning in 2014 at Hockenheim slash Nürburgring, one of the two. And uh, actually, it probably will have been Hockenheim, won't it? Anyway, um, and uh, Max, as we know, winning uh, the Dutch Grand Prix this year. So that is it. We're back next week for a preview. But from preview, it's goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.